Welcome to Tiny Town Library. Thanks for joining us. We're coming to you straight out of the library, town news, community updates, book recommendations, and an interview with a local person of interest. My name is Bonnie. I'm the library director here at the Dayland Memorial Library. And with me today, this afternoon, Miss Joanne, our children's program director. Good morning. Amy, our interlibrary loan specialist. Hello. And our producer and library assistant, Madison. Thanks morning. for coming. Uh, also with us today at the table, and they're not going to be speaking yet, but they're our interview of the day, are our bosses. Did you know that? They're your bosses. I did. That's I did. True. I did. Uh, the library trustees are here today, and they're here to catch us up on the new library project. But first things first, we're going to do the town prior news section. Um, winter has arrived. It's here. It's here in New England. We have had a little bit of everything, snow, sleet, rain, power outage. Mm -hmm. true. Yes, frozen and pipes. Oh, you did. A little bit. Oh, okay. You hid that from us. All right, it's all resolved. Mm -hmm. All right, in the last couple of weeks, um, now that the holidays are over, it is, uh, I think, the perfect time to grab a book it and is. settle in and get cozy and read by the fire. And January is my favorite month. You know why? Why? Because there's nowhere to go, nothing to do. <laughs> we have just done everything. We have eaten everything, we had a little taste of everything, we drank everything, but now it's time to be quiet and settle in and accept that it's winter. Uh, when I moved here, someone gave me the advice, uh, find a hobby or something to do because winter is long. So I picked up snowshoeing and it works. You get outside, you go around, you come back, it just seems less painful. How about you, what do you do for winter? <sighs> I try to read a little bit more than I do during the rest of the so year. So librarian of you. I knew it. Um, I try to do a puzzle. I'm not very good at puzzles, but I try. So that builds four months. One puzzle. Mm, no. And um, <laughs> I don't know. A little bit of art. A little, mm -hmm. bit, of, a little bit of painting. Yeah, I bet you could get a lot of painting. Though. Yeah, and we read as a family sometimes. Out loud? Together. Mm -hmm. Oof, I like that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what you're going to read? Um, I haven't decided yet. Okay, no pressure. But how about you, Amy? What do you do for winter? Make it last. I cry and wish it were summer. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> I, I, am, I, am, I am much more. I'm Amy. a beach person. You person. are. I, it's you true. Know, like, yeah, I, I enjoy the changing of the seasons, but winter is not my favorite, so I just bundle up. I actually bought a brand new fuzzy blanket at Home Goods today. Uh -huh. That's there important. you go. Um, That's important. Yeah, read. I like to do craft projects, so you know I'll go and look at my Pinterest boards and say, "Ooh, what can I do?" And, that's, mm -hmm. that's how I feel. It makes time. it go faster. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a. I've never skied in my life. I'm not an outdoorsy Don't you knit kind of person. I do sometimes. I haven't much in uh -huh. the last few years, but that's something that I've thought about for this winter. I think it's a good winter activity. Definitely mm -hmm. a big yeah. project like that. I met you first, Amy, at a knitting event. Pins and needles at this library. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, I was learning to knit. Amy yeah. was pregnant and helped me, and a friend was learning from another person named Anna, also pregnant. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the next day or something, someone had a baby. What? In huh. the parking lot. That was you? And that my friend me? called and, and we said, was it your person or was it my person? Because they were both named Amy. So you were calmly knitting the night before you delivered Eliza. Well, I was very... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't particularly remember that, but I'm sure it was maybe it within... It was very recently okay. after our first meeting. Yeah, not too long after. Enough that I didn't really know which, which person. person had the yep. baby. Mm -hmm. yep. Oh, that's exciting. I know it. Just a little fun fact. Fun fact. All right, I'm moving on to January happenings. Guess what? Nothing happens in Mount Vernon in January. It's not really true. It's true. A There's like bit hardly happened. any town events because, of course, it's too cold and too snowy and people are afraid to come out. But we load the calendar here at the library. But but church dinner. Let's talk about church dinner. Okay. What's the menu? Meatloaf. Are you positive? I'm nice. positive. I heard it from the official person. Okay. Meatloaf sides? Um, mashed potatoes and gravy. Mm. Um, there is some discussion whether it will be green beans or not green beans. I did hear that, that green beans is just, mm. Sometimes <laughs> they're cooked too long. Uh -oh. So I'm not sure what the side is. And the desserts will be finger desserts. I'm thinking of donating one. I'm going to support this. Make sure you can eat it with your suffer. hands only. So that's the third Thursday. Yep. Be there by 530, or there might not be meatloaf left. Correct. I would be there at 5, but... Okay. Just and me. I would have loved to report um, deliberative session dates, but they haven't been posted yet, and they're kind of end of January, beginning of February. So keep your eye out for those. It is budget season. It's important to go to those sessions and um, listen. Okay. Or even get up to the microphone if you have to. 
All right, uh, at the library, I'm gonna plug the adult programs. We are doing a winter reading program for the first time. So we always do the summer reading program. Yeah, 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 everybody's reading in the summer, but we decided to do winter because what else is there to do in the winter, right? Mm -hmm. But we picked a theme, it's the Huga theme. <laughs> it's the Danish lifestyle that the translation means coziness. So it's all things to do with, you know, getting cozy and it's certainly reading um, with a blanket and a cup of tea and candles is cozy, correct? It is. So we have uh, winter reading logs here. You can come fill them out. We listed 10 spots, but of course, someone like Amy, just flip that over and write Yours is probably filled. It's not a goal. It? It's one book on it. Right. It's not a competition, but um, we'll keep the reading logs here so that they don't get lost. And at the bottom of every entry form... Uh, or registration form as an entry form. We have a giant hygge basket that is filled with um, all the essentials, and someone's going to win that in March. What's in the basket? I will tell you. There is a fuzzy blanket. There's a really cool coffee tea mug. There's a French press. There's a book about the Danish lifestyle of hygge. Um, there is chocolate. There's cocoa. There's coffee. Are there candles? There should be, and there should be fuzzy socks in there too. These are all the essentials. So we'll be bringing that basket in next week, so you can peruse it and hope that you win. And even though March twenty first is the first day of spring, it's not going to be warm. You're going to need everything in that. There'll basket. be snow on the ground. Yeah, you're definitely going to need that basket. So somebody's going to win that. And then coffee and books is happening every Tuesday, um, all winter. Of course, the Friends of the Library sponsor that. And um, PTA borrowed our big urn in the month of December for um, Breakfast with Santa. Mm -hmm. So we were pulling out the Keurig. Did you like that better? Or do you like um, the... I like it better. You do? I don't like that big coffee pot. Okay. How about and I'll tell you why. Big coffee pot? Oh, you're going to tell us? I'm fine either way. I don't drink coffee. So I think people it's... liked being able to make their little individual All right, I'm taking Keurig. this back to I know the it's friends. not great for the environment. I like the sound of the percolating. Yeah. But I do not like the making of it okay. and the throwing it away if it isn't used. Uh -huh. And as far as the curic goes, at my house we have a reusable pod. Hmm. Which I wonder I would if like the patrons do. would do that. All right, I would like that. to do it. I'm, I'm trying to get rid of the. All right. Well, the friends of the, the library papers. pay for all that, so they'll be. We have, a, I think, a $200 budget to get cups and cream and mm -hmm. sugar, so I'll talk to them about that idea. But please do stop by. We do that on Tuesday from 10 to 5, um, so we catch everybody on the way to the dump. So coffee and books, join us for that. And then uh, we have a new program coming. Amy, you're doing more adult programming than ever. Um, Amy has volunteered to do an Overdrive 101 class. So our Overdrive statistics show that people are using Overdrive at 100% rate higher than last year. So people are finally discovering how to get on Overdrive. And on Thursday, January 23rd at 7 p.m., if you haven't tried Overdrive or you're struggling with it, Amy's going to do a one-hour session. You can bring your device. You can bring nothing. Um, we're going to hook you up with your um, library card number and password because those are the two things you need to get on Overdrive. And then we'll troubleshoot with you with your device. So are you an Apple person? Kindle? Um, I have the Kindle app on my phone. Mm -hmm. um, I Well, I have the Overdrive app on my phone. <clears throat> that's mostly what I use. Right, step one. So that's, that's on, I guess, an Apple so that, that's the challenge. Everybody has a different device. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll try and help you with your device to the best of our ability. And I know that I've been doing mine on Apple products. So like I'm, I'm fluent, but I would never be able to do it on someone's like Galaxy phone. Like I wouldn't know that. We can figure it out. Yeah, we're going to, Amy's it's the expert. Hard. That's why I'm not doing the program and Amy is. So. I'm also not doing that program. <laughs> right. <laughs> what? But, you know, you <laughs> I know. It's a surprise. Uh, once you use it though, it's super easy mm -hmm. and it's awesome. It's awesome. And, um, use it in your car so we're going to do an overdrive night and then we're bringing back um national puzzle day this year is wednesday january 29th and last year we put out a community puzzle in the beginning of january and worked on the puzzle all month until with the goal of being done by national puzzle day and we did a puzzle swap i think this year we're going to put out the puzzle on national puzzle day which is wednesday january 29th and your mother has been so generous joanne mm -hmm. to donate a puzzle tray Yes. Because the challenge in this little library is if we put the puzzle out and then we have a program or something, it's like, oh, we got to move a thousand pieces. And so we've had it on boards and cardboards and all kind of crazy. But now we have an official tray. Yes, it should come. Any day. Any minute. Well, we don't it need it. It might be on my porch right now. Ooh, exciting. 
Um, and the puzzle we're going to do this year, uh, Cindy Raspler, the chair of the library trustees, made the new library image into a thousand piece puzzle. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to work on that. And it's going to go super fast this year because everyone's going to want to see what that library looks like um, in a puzzle form. And then we'll probably paint it or glue it and put it in a frame this year, make it super official. Right? I love that idea. I do too. Because I'm not putting it back in the box. I'm not giving it away either. So. Uh, we'll do the puzzle and then the weekend of so wednesday january 29th through saturday february 1st we'll do the puzzle swapping so any any one of those days you can come in we'll have all the puzzles in the front and you can drop off a puzzle and pick up a new puzzle because that is a super thing to do in the winter all right so any other programs for me let's see oh yes so one of the advantages of having a small library is that um, the staff is constantly together and um, coming up with new ideas. So yesterday I threw it out to Joanne. I'm like, I have no adult craft night. I'm uninspired and we should really do it around the reading theme. And she's like, let's make candles. And like 20 seconds later, we had a whole adult craft night figured out. So we are gonna roll beeswax candles. Um, and I went online last night and the supplies are super simple and the instruction is easy. And we don't always hire a person to come in and instruct on adult craft night sometimes we teach ourselves to do we're something crafty. yeah we're crafty and um, to pay someone $200 to show us how to roll beeswax it's completely unnecessary so um, sometimes we're doing the project with people um, maybe for just the second time um, carving pumpkins whatever you know like it's simple so adult craft nights are about coming together around a table we usually have 10 to 12 people so here's the good news if you're listening to the podcast mm -hmm. you are the only one that knows about adult craft night because we will not be publicizing it for another week on Facebook. So kudos to the podcast listeners. You can sign up for Adult Craft Night first. We have the registration form at the We do library. already? It's already here. Ha, nice. So podcast first, then we'll put it on Facebook. And by the time the Amherst Citizen comes out, it won't, it'll be too late, it'll be awful. So there we go, Adult Craft Night. Thank you, Joanne, for your wonderful idea. Oh, you're very welcome. Yes, I was sure on ideas. Tired from Christmas, I guess. So that's it for adult programming. How about you, Joanne, what are you doing for the kids? Um, Lapset is starting up. Story time. Yay, they're Mystery. begging for it. They miss me. They miss me, and I miss them. So that is coming January sixteenth. It's a Thursday, for six weeks, and we will be doing all things snow, snowmen. I we have Valentine's Day. We have Chinese New Year. Some mothers a baby already, already like liking it and go hitting going on the Facebook page. They're new babies that I don't know. I know so the baby boom continues. I'm excited to meet them. So that's starting in a little bit. I'm starting to gather my books for that. So that should be ready. I'll get another new felt board. I try to do a new felt board every session. Get some new songs under my belt. Oh. <laughs> and, of course, our book clubs are still going. I'm reading Matilda right now. That'll be next week. Next week's book club for the third and fourth graders. Exciting. And it's time to see the kindergarten. I didn't get to see the kindergartners at all. Yeah, last the weather month. is spoiled. Between um, the weather and late start. So I miss, I miss them, and I'll see them on Tuesday. Awesome. That's it for me. All right, I mean, two book clubs for adults? Yep. So just the classics, we're meeting January 16th to talk about The Great Gatsby, and then we'll be handing out Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. And the Monday morning adult book group, they uh, use January as their planning meeting. Um, so there's not a book that they're coming to the table to discuss in January, but they'll be handing out the book Wonderland, spelled with a U. That's a pretty new book. Wonderland. It is, yes. yes. I saw I was that actually, toadstool on the shelf, and I thought, wow, they're yeah. really current. So I was surprised that I was able to get enough libraries that were willing to lend it. But, yeah, there's all the copies are up there, ready to go. So that's January 6th. So they're planning meaning, do you feel like they, they discuss all titles? They haven't sent you a list yet. Not yet. preliminary. Nope, I haven't seen anything okay. preliminary. So good time so. to join. Yep, it would be. That was my question. Do people join these clubs throughout the year? You're just the classics and this other morning book club. People I, can jump in. Yes, absolutely. Both, you can jump in at any time. Um, I know for both, really, if there was a book you didn't want to read, like if you were looking at the list for the year and you don't like a particular author or you've already read a book, just don't come that month. It's I can think of one of your members who said that. Yes. Like, I hate that book. I'm not coming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. and, that, and that's perfectly fine. You know, it, it doesn't have to be like a, a full commitment. It's kind of drop in whenever mm -hmm. you're able or convenient. Now is just the classics list already set or are you still taking? We're finalizing the list um, in January on the 16th. And Great Gatsby is this month. So right. That's an easy book to jump right. in on. Yep. Good and choice. you said a full... 
your first full year yes, of just the been, classics. Yes, we've Congratulations. We've gone a whole year now. So, yep. Yep. And we, we sat down in at the December meeting and came up with a list of 24 books wow. that everyone was interested collectively in how reading. Do you, and how so do you we, pick them <clears throat> well, I had, down to 12? I had every, I gave, emailed everyone the list and said, give me your top 11 choices because we already had Great Gatsby for January, so we didn't need a full year's Can you tell this group is work. amazing reading? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like <laughs> They it. only came up with 11. So, right. So, so everyone had to pick their top 11. We ended up with seven that were very definitely the top vote getters, and then another seven that were all tied with four votes each, and then the rest had less than that. So then I said, round two, okay, here's the seven definites. Here's the seven. Now you need to pick your top four out of this seven, and that's kind of still currently happening mm. so yeah arm wrestle how do you <laughs> how do you hopefully, make hopefully it won't come to that hopefully it'll you and linda be, henderson right clear <laughs> clear distinctions as to what those other four books will be for the, for the year so, yeah. okay good okay we're moving on to segment two with recommendations from amy and um of course all your 2019 titles hit the top 10 um, but now we're looking towards 2020 mm -hmm. what's the buzz what books are coming out that we need to know about okay so i've got seven books that I wanna quickly mention. The the first book, I feel like I've seen it everywhere in the last two months, is American Dirt by Janine Cummings. That comes out January 21st. Um, I'm writing this down so I don't yeah, miss them. Sure, <laughs> I, could, I could just send you my list. You too, could, that would be awesome. Yep. Um, Emily St. John Mandel, who wrote Station 11, which <gasps> came out a few years ago, her new book is coming out in March, March 24th. It's called The Glass Hotel. And it's, it's another standalone. It's not connected to Station Eleven at all. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, a little bit of fluff, if you want to call it that. Uh, Beatrice Williams, Lauren Willig, and Karen White. They're kind of, if you want to, if you want to say they write women's fiction, maybe. Um, They've collaborated before. Yes, right? they have. They've done, I think, at least one, if not two. I think two books. They've done two books together. So their third one is called All the Ways We Said Goodbye. That comes out January 14th. Suzanne Collins is has written a prequel to the Hunger Games books, and that is coming out in May, May nineteenth. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. We are going to have to so, get three copies. Of yeah, that, that's going to be that's mm -hmm. going to be awesome. Uh, two other YA books that I wanted to mention: One of Us Is Next by Karen McManus, which that's the next book. The first book that she wrote was One of Us Is Lying. It, really interesting story like I reading YA is kind of like a guilty pleasure for me because they're just usually fairly simple storylines but then they get those twists in there that you go oh wow I didn't see that, that that was coming so I really liked one of us is lying so this is her next book one of us is next same characters picks up right where the other one left off the other YA book that I'm really looking forward to reading is by Melissa Albert it's called the night country and that comes out January 7th. Actually, One of Us is Next and The Night Country both. These are all coming up. January 7th, very soon, yes. Yeah. And she wrote, it just went right out of my head, uh, The Hazelwood. Oh, yeah. So it's very a kind cover, of right. dreamy, fairy tale y, beautiful cover. The Night Country also has a beautiful Not cover. Not associated, though. You don't have no, to. Read. Um, I don't actually know that. I think it is part of the same okay. uh, storyline. So read the first yep, one. Yep, so read, read The Hazelwood first. <clears throat> and then the only other book I wanted to mention and I don't know the publication date. I tried looking for it and couldn't find it. Curtis Sittenfeld's new book is coming out sometime in 2020, and it's called Rodham. And from what I understand, it's a fictionalized story of if Hillary Clinton had never married Bill Clinton, what <gasps> her life might be like. Oh, wow. Yes. So Curtis Sittenfeld... Clearly fiction. <laughs> yeah. Curtis Sittenfeld, she wrote the book, uh, among others, um, An American Wife. Uh-huh. And I love oh, that. Everybody so loved that. Good. It was so good. And that was kind of loosely based. So it's just based. called Rodham. Rodham. That's from what I've heard. Hopefully that's, it. you know, things may change. But um, An American Wife was loosely based on Laura Bush's life. Mm -hmm. And so now this is Hillary Clinton. Rodham. So, yeah, that's it. Okay. Those are all wonderful things to look forward to. I haven't looked that far ahead. I have put in pre-orders for January, but... Um, so a couple of the ones that you said came up for me, but I'm most curious about the Rodham one. That's mm. interesting. So, all right, that's it for recommendations. Um, definitely next month we'll talk about our favorites and what we're reading, but uh, we wanted to save time because our library trustees are here today. Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, these are three very busy women, so I appreciate you taking uh, a Friday afternoon off to all come in together because we want to hear from all of you 
about what's happening with the library and the new library project. So if you don't mind, we're going to go around and do introductions first. So Cindy Raspler, the library chair, is here. Um, our secretary, Jill Weber, is here. And Jane King, the treasurer, is here from the library trustees. And if you don't know, these are all elected officials. You were all voted into this position um, unanimously. Do you ever have anyone run against you? Have you ever? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not well, me. it could be this year. Who, who's up this year? <laughs> me. Jane's up. Don't want to run against Jane King. I don't know. <laughs> so um, one of the first questions we like to ask people that we um, have been interviewing is how you landed in Mount Vernon before we get to the portion about you talking to the library. If you don't mind, Howard Brown was our first interview with Cindy. That's your husband. And we had a little bit of criticism after we interviewed him yep. because his how I got to Mount Vernon story was so interesting. Everybody said, why didn't you ask him more about that? But it's because we knew the story. So we will not hold back on your story of Mount Vernon and go ahead and tell it. At like, Cindy, how did you end up in Mount Vernon? So it is an interesting story. I uh, was working in the Republic of the Marshall Islands, which is nine degrees north of the equator, halfway between Hawaii and Australia. And I had an opportunity to come back to New England, which I had been trying to do for quite some time, actually. I grew up here and had spent about 20 years in the Midwest, so before we went to the Marshall Islands. So part of my scheme to get back to New England seemed to be falling into place. So how we actually ended up in Mount Vernon was I drew a circle around my place of employment that was as far as I thought I could stand to drive. <laughs> and Mount Vernon was right on the edge of that circle. So it was not the first place I looked, but I had looked online and seen the house that we live in now, which is uh, you know, a pretty visible landmark in Mount Vernon. It's the house that's in the middle of the pie uh, between Blood Road and Main Street. And it had been on the market for over a year. It had been vacant for over a year. And the pictures did not do it justice. And I don't mean that in a positive, wow, it was so much better than I thought kind of way. Uh, it definitely looked like a house that had been vacant for over a year and probably had needed quite a bit of attention for many years before that vacant year. Uh, but I fell in love with it on the internet. It reminds me a lot of the house I grew up in in Bradford, New Hampshire. Um, so it was the one I looked at last because I was saving it because I had already sort of fallen for it. And I did not think my husband would be happy with my choice because we had lived in a house that needed work and we had built a new house. And he definitely at that point felt like a new house guy. So I was a little leery of the whole thing. So I sent him pictures. I, I came back by myself on this house hunting trip to look at the houses. And he was back in the Marshall Islands with Liam, who was just a toddler at the time. And I sent him pictures, 100 pictures each, of a standard, very nice, newly constructed, on two acres in Brookline House. And our um, very charming but pretty decrepit house and barn <laughs> And because of the time difference, I sent this to him, you know, sort of in the middle of the night, his time. And I got a response at what would have been like 6 a.m. there that said, I want the one with the barn. And I was like, yes, oh, what have I done? Because I felt like this might be, you know, 20 years worth of like, how did you saddle me with this horrible house? But it's turned out to be a really fun project. We like to say that we're 20 years into our 10 year project at this point. Um, and Mount Vernon has always felt really meant to be for us. Uh, you know, it was a weird way to find a place to move to. I, I really had sort of picked the school districts. We looked in three different school districts, um, but you know, we never have questioned the decision to be here and it really felt like it was uh, so much meant for us to be here always, so. You and, and Howard are a gift to the community. It's so. true. And, and it was your destiny. Maybe. Fun little fact, yeah. like the person who lived in my house for many, many years, was one of the very early library trustees. Mm -hmm. So apparently the role comes with the house. That's right, don't try and sell that house. So. <laughs> All right, Jill, you're up next. You're a long time resident I of I am, I'm, I think we've just celebrated 46 years in Mount Vernon. Wow. So um, I was, uh, I lived in New York City with my husband and we had a friend who lived in Limeborough and a musician friend that my husband had known for years and years and we came to visit and the next thing we were knew, we knew we were reading um, Helen Scott Nearing and we were figuring out how we were going to get rid of our loft in New York and become farmers 
and live a sustainable life. So we also circled, uh, we circled an area around Boston, knowing you know, that we still were gonna have to work. So this looked like commuting distance to us. We were wrong, but um, <laughs> seriously <laughs> wrong. It was the same amount of distance from where I grew up in Connecticut outside of New York, which was commuting distance. But not the same. Not the same. Not the same. <laughs> they forgot no. the mass transit here. Oh, and the train and everything else. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But and we we searched for houses and one day we drove down this long driveway oh, and there at the best driveway ever. Literally magical. Was a house that was so falling down. <laughs> But we didn't see the falling down. We saw the apple trees in blossom. We saw the mm. daffodils. We saw uh, the privacy. We saw the quiet. And we bought this house. I think it was it had been empty for some time. And I also think that it took about 10 years before people stopped making fun of us because the house had so many problems. Mm -hmm. You could take a shower in the closet when it rained. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were numerous problems. I also discovered about... 10 minutes in that my husband did not know how to fix anything and I didn't actually know that from New York it was like a question I had forgotten to ask so we are now living in a fixer-upper we finally 25 years later were able to do a pretty substantial renovation uh, up to that point we did a lot of damage control but um, I feel like it's still paradise and I drive down my driveway and I cannot believe it's fine I drive down yeah. your driveway and think that, so, and I don't even live yeah. there. I just, and I work home, so I literally can, you know, go to my studio in my pajamas, so it's not bad. My husband will be retiring in 10 days. Oh, are you putting <laughs> an addition on the house? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little yurt at the end of the driveway. Um, but, That's yeah, exciting. so at least he'll be able to stop driving to Boston. So you have no intention of leaving Montverland? We don't normal. right now. Uh -huh. Good. We do not. Same. We do not. Same. It would be hard not to have that drive up the driveway. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. hard to replace. Yeah. So, How about you, Jane? How'd you land in Montverland? My story is pretty ordinary. <laughs> um, did you draw a circle around your No, job? no, but Pete did. Pete yeah. did. He, he, we were moving up here. He got, he could, was able to transfer his job up here to Drake it um, from New Jersey. We were living in New Jersey, um, both working, two kids. They were three and five. Ooh, they were so big. Yeah. And um, our parents and a lot of our family was up in the Massachusetts area, so we wanted to move up, parents getting old and all, we wanted to move up um, closer to them. We were driving the New Jersey to Ma Lynn, Massachusetts every holiday, every everything. So um, when we decided, when we started to look for someplace, he did, he drew a circle around Drake it, but we decided we didn't really want to live in Massachusetts because um, it was pretty expensive. And we had seen houses in the Amherst, Milford, uh, Mount Vernon area. And one time I came up, he was working, I came up on my own to look at houses. And the realtor brought me to this house. Um, it was a log home. It was open concept, enough bedrooms and all of that. And it, it was homey looking, you know, comfortable looking. Uh, and wood, just wood. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, if I bring Peter, he's going to love it. Right. So I have to decide now if I want to. Mm -hmm. And I did eventually bring him up. Um, and nowadays I look at all the wood and it's like, I really want some place with a little white painted crown molding and you know, not quite so beach cottage, comfortable, <laughs> you know, just something like that. But, um, and we've been there for 25 years now. There you go. So, so our library trustees are longtime residents that are passionate about the library and the new library project. So we're going to transition. That's how I'm going to segue into the, <laughs> you know, library. Uh, the new library project has been in the works since at least the early 90s and maybe longer if you, if you talk to someone like Jimmy Coker. And in the last five years, there has been a renewed energy and commitment to bringing the project to fruition. And thanks to the efforts of the staff, thank you, and the library trustees, the formation of the foundation, the library capital campaign, all that stuff, um, it looks like it actually might happen. So we wanted to hear 
um, from the mouths of the people who are in charge, which library trustees are, uh, where we are in the project and kind of what's happening. So I'm going to pass it to Cindy and see if you can answer some of those questions for us. So excellent. So that set up many questions. <laughs> I will try to answer some of them and you can kind of jump in and remind me of what I forget to cover. So first of all, I've been a trustee since I think 2004. I finished out the term of someone who had resigned and then have been elected numerous times since then. Um, proud little fun fact, my husband and I were both on the ballot one year. He was running for school board and I was running for library trustee. And you know, Howard Brown drives a school bus and my daughter describes him as town renowned. So it's a huge point of personal pride that I got more votes than he did. Excellent. <laughs> Not that we're keeping track. Like Not, we that we're keeping <laughs> Not that we're keeping score. Not that we're keeping score. But so I've actually been involved in more than one attempt at doing something about the library. And for anyone who's actually been here, you know that it is an architectural gem and it's hard to imagine what the library could look like in town after this because it is so iconic. And for that reason, there's been a huge debate over adding on to the library, actually moving this building, or just replacing it. And each of those things have, you know, sort of pluses and minuses. The one that always comes up is, why don't you just add on? And the reality of it is, is that that has been studied to death and it's just physically impossible. The property that the library sits on is not much bigger than the building and the parking lot. So it, it just can't happen on this site. So one of the projects that I was involved in actually looked at moving it as a way to preserve the building because there was a lot of concern that if this weren't the library, what would it be? Fortunately, we really answered that question last year when the town bought the building. So there's no longer this concern that it could get end up in private hands and turn into something uh, you know, that people didn't want to see be somehow ruined on the exterior and not be the the sort of welcome to Mount Vernon that it is as Everyone you come around the corner and you see it. Pub. <laughs> yeah. like, I think pub sounds really good. I've heard coffee shop. Town of Mount Vernon. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a cute little house. Uh, you know, it'd certainly be great office space for some professions, but the long and the short of it is it's just too small to be a library supporting this town. You know, we've been talking about how you guys spend your time as staff. And I've tried to explain to people that everything that you do in this library requires an extra hour before and an extra hour after because you have to move everything out to do anything because the space is so constrained. Um, so, you know, one of the great things about a new project is that it allows us to put in all the things that uh, either weren't things in 1909, like, you know, indoor plumbing, um, or things that just weren't really seen as, you know, maybe necessary. There's no staff workroom in this area, in this building. There's no offices for anybody. Uh, the bathroom literally is the anteway into the stairs to the basement, and it wasn't originally designed as a bathroom. And, you know, I... It's, can I tell them that Bonnie refers to it as the prison sink? Is that bad? <laughs> it's true. It's the same size. Yeah. I haven't been to prison, but I imagine that's bad. <laughs> Maybe a dentist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, certainly there's just a lot of reasons to, to want and need a, a new library. And there have been a, a lot of people in town who have spent a tremendous amount of time over the years trying to make it happen. And I do think that I agree with what you said earlier, that, that we've really never been closer to it really coming to be. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I, I think part of it is that several years ago, there was a real effort to think about re-envisioning the downtown. And there was a committee of people that both Jill and I were um, fortunate enough to be part of that studied the downtown buildings and really looked hard at the town hall the library and the McCullum building to sort of reimagine what this could all look like in ways that, um, you know, you refer to us as your boss. I, I, we are actually, we, the townspeople of Mount Vernon, are also the bosses of the people who work in the McCullum building and the town hall. And, you know, as their boss, I'm pretty embarrassed when I look at their working conditions. So looking at a way to really solve all of these things was the charter for that group who spent three years together we were originally supposed to spend three months and you know at this point you know these people are on my christmas card list and you know <laughs> we've become socially friends jill and i really got to know each other through so, that effort right. so that was i think more a holistic look at what the town needs and you know out of that we were able i think to really sell the idea that the building needed to belong to the town 
to look at how we fulfill the space needs for all of the different groups that are part of the, the town government here. And that was a big step because one of the big questions that had come up in all of the past library projects was this, what happens to the old building? So now that it is a town-owned building and it will fit in some way into the how do, how do the space needs for the town government fit in these three buildings that we're fortunate enough to own, um, that piece has been sort of taken out of the equation. I'm going to add also that the new library um, has provided a solution for meeting space and things that are missing in the other two buildings that allows us to preserve those buildings rather than to, to change them in a way that is too expensive and grand for this town. Yeah, and I mean, one of, the, like, one of the things in that project, we got to look at some of the, the options, and the people who were part of that committee had very different views of what ought to happen to the buildings when we started, but we really came to a lot of agreement at the end. One of the, one of the designs which would have made it easier to not need space like the library to support the town government you know, involved like horrible cubicles in the upstairs of the town hall. And like even the people who weren't huge town hall fans kind of gasped when they thought about taking that beautiful space and, you know, carving it up into fuzzy walled cubicles for <laughs> people to do work in. So, you know, it was really, uh, it was quite an adventure to go through that whole thing and to really see what some of the options are. And I, I think Jill's point is exactly right, that by doing, making the right decisions, we can preserve the good parts of the town hall and maybe bring back some of that upstairs as potentially a meeting space in the future for larger groups. Uh, anybody who's tried to schedule a meeting in town knows that, you know, if you're looking for a basketball court, you've got the, the NPR at the school. And if you're looking for, you know, maybe 20 people, you can use the selectmen's meeting room, except on all the nights that it's in use for something else, which is most of them. Very difficult to get in at the firehouse because of their training schedule and other things. And we find a lot of meetings being held here in the library because it is such an inviting space, but it requires that aforementioned, you know, hour to move everything around before and after the meeting. So it's not exactly um, easy on the staff when that happens. And it's still too small. Right. Still too small. So as a result of that study, what I took from that last um, presentation that you made was that library should go first because uh, moving up to the new building would open up this space for potential office space for swing when they're redoing McCollum or redoing town hall and that maybe eventually it could house the historic society so not definitive answers but at least some options and choices really good ones for this building yeah so one of the nice things about doing the the only real new construction project in any of these is the library and if you do that first, it does give you that swing space so that you don't have to move people into you know, a portable classroom out in front of the fire station or something like that while you're trying to renovate the town hall and the McCullum building. And both of those projects will be big because you know, both of them need significant amount of work interior. A lot of things have been done to the building envelope of McCullum, but depending on you know, what the inside use ends up being, it's going to be disruptive. It's not going to, it's not, we're not throwing up a coat of paint over the weekend on these things that they're going to be people moved out for weeks or months in order to accomplish those kinds of things as we go forward. So having the library done and having this space as a place to move people or things into during those renovations would really be helpful to the sort of continuity of the business operations of the town. So those would be good things. Plus we start with the support of the Dalen Trust. Well, so the, the one thing the library project has going for it over uh, you know, any other project that you can think of in town, certainly at this point, is a lot of financial support. You mentioned the, wow. <laughs> I will just describe that noise. <laughs> the noise. The noise you just heard was two weeks worth of snow avalanching off the slate roof. And that quite often happens in the middle of the day while it's we're It's very working. exciting. <laughs> we all stop for a minute and then we keep going. So keep going. <laughs> a little like a train. <laughs> a little like a train. Very so, nice yeah, one of the things this project has going for it is a lot of financial support. As Jill mentioned, you know, we're very fortunate in the town of Mount Vernon that we have the Dalen Trust. The library that, you know, we're sitting in doing this podcast now was uh, bequeathed in Sophia Dalen's will in 1899. And opened in 1909. So we had a woman from town who had frugally saved all of her pennies from what I think was probably not a flashy existence and left them to the town for the specific purpose of building the library and maintaining it in perpetuity. 
And the wise trustees over the years of her trust fund have done just that to the extent that they've not only built this building and maintained it for over 100 years, but they are poised to be significant contributors to the new library as well. They've committed $855,000 to the project. Uh, and you know that's a very significant piece of the pie. The town has also had the foresight, again with some contributions from the Dalen Trust, to set up a pretty sizable capital reserve to support the project. And uh, I, I know I'm, maybe many people have seen this. It was in the paper recently and certainly has been big talk in town, but we recently, through the Mount Vernon Library Charitable Foundation, have received a bequest from Sherry Conyers for another million dollars toward the project. Wonderful. So it's you know big news in a small town and certainly makes it pretty easy to support this project, which now is you know probably by any measure half funded uh, over many that have yet to really find. Now the formation of, of the foundation was new. That's something that had not happened before with other library projects. Absolutely. So when you look back at the early projects, they were funded entirely by the capital reserve and um, bond issues that were put forward and sadly unsuccessful at town meeting. Although I have to say that the, the one that failed right before we moved here was closest to passing and people still talk about it as that ugly little white building. So sometimes the things you don't do yeah. are as important as the things you yeah. do do. So maybe that one failing wasn't in the long term scheme of things such a tragedy. It was good practice. <laughs> yes, maybe it wasn't such a tragedy though. Uh, because one of the things that we keep talking about in this new design, and you've said this yourself, is that we have to think about this as a hundred year design, not something where we might want to add on to it in 10 years or 15, because if it's taken us since the 80s or 90s to really have a serious conversation about upgrading the current library, you know, imagine what happens if people say, we just built it. How could you possibly need more? Well, and there's <laughs> also other projects in town that people are equally passionate about. I have to say, like, people are torn. They want to see town hall you know saved I you do. know right you want to have all your safety vehicles up to date and current but like in any given year you cannot do all of it so it has right. to be phased and so like I, I hope that we'll be able to do all of it but with the foundation's help right I mean, you're using other people's money Absolutely. not tax dollars right the foundation was formed um after a couple of unsuccessful attempts at the library, I think it really became clear that if you're only looking at tax dollars, it's going to be a hard sell because as passionate as we all are about the library, um, there are many people who are always going to see it as a nice to have or a lower priority than the police, the fire and things that feel a little more like must haves in the grand scheme of things to some people. So looking at ways to get around that, the idea of raising money outside through grants and contributions and pledges from residents in town who really want to support the project were you know all things that we talked about it but it was also after the situation that had happened in Merrimack where they had a capital reserve that people had contributed to um, maybe it was all tax dollars I'm not sure that the, the details it's been so long now but at town meeting they voted to return it to the general fund and uh, you know, people were aghast because they felt like they had been setting this aside for years and it could only be used for a library. And at, you know, the, the stroke of the, the gavel, it was all back in the general fund buying down a couple bucks on the tax rate. So people became very leery of con contributing and thinking about how can we do this in a way where it will be safe. So forming the foundation is a way to allow people to contribute in such a way that they know that if the project doesn't go forward, the laws require that their contributions be returned and that they certainly can't be voted to be used for something different than the original intention. So we started it maybe as early as 2014 and filed the paperwork in 2015. Turns out becoming a recognized 501c3 is not that simple. It's not impossible and you don't have to have you know, high-priced uh, lawyers and accountants involved in it, but you do have to have a lot of good advice and be fairly tenacious about it. And we spent a couple of years getting it right, but we received the recognition as a, a, an official 501c3 and then sort of sat back and said, okay, now, now what do we do? And we 
when I say we, I, I always have to give the disclaimer that I'm both the chair of the library trustees and the president of the Mount Vernon Library Charitable Foundation. And sometimes it's hard to tell which hat I'm wearing because the two are linked. But just to clarify for people, the role of the trustees is to manage the library, including the library project and other improvement projects like that. The role of the foundation is really to be a fundraising vehicle. Uh, the foundation is not directing the project. The foundation is not in charge of, you know, they're, they're not hiring the architect. They're not doing those things. They're all volunteers. It's all volunteers. Um, yeah, the, in, right in the foundation's charter, it says nobody gets a salary. Um, nobody is, is getting, you know, a percentage of the gifts that come in or anything like that. It's a, a strictly volunteer position uh, as is the trustee sort of you get elected but it, there's there's no stipend did you get a stipend I, I did not yeah me neither I feel like I'm wandering around am I answering any of your yes, questions yes you are so the foundation is really kind of the 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 new element that's making this possible Absolutely. otherwise we'd be going to town for the full amount right. again and right. the building's more expensive than it right. was in the past because yeah. construction costs have increased yeah so on the the kind of two parallel paths over the last couple of years the the trustee side of the house we worked with dsk and came up with the vision of the library because one of the things that we found in trying to sell the project is that people really wanted to know what's it going to look like how big is gonna is it going to be and what's it going to cost so a year ago at two years ago a town meeting we went forth and uh, got funding released from the Capital Reserve to work with DSK, who we selected after um, a, a request for proposals and a whole process. And DSK, the architect. Yes, DSK is um, doing Schmidt Kearns from Concord, Massachusetts, who is the architect that we selected. Um, we kind of feel like we won the lottery by getting them. They're we, they, they've really done a fabulous job of listening to us. And you know, anybody who was involved in the iterations of the design could really see that because some of the things that they brought to us in the, the first round, like I don't want to say that we were aghast, but we were kind of aghast <laughs> because they were just not Mount Vernon. They were, just, they were too grand for us. Too modern. Um, too modern, too whatever. But they listened to all the, the feedback that they got, not just from the staff and the trustees, but from the public sessions. And when they came back with, like, I have to say, even the next to last round, I had all my fingers and toes crossed going, God, I hope this is going to work. And when they came back with the, the final, we we're like, wow, this yeah. is it. You They're got re it. Really good listeners as well as designers. Yeah. 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 And they listened. They, they also asked the right questions because we brought this to the town to see what the town wanted. And they asked the right questions to the town. Yeah, it was uh, it was a, a really remarkable evening. Yeah, they're really good at what they do. They're yeah. really good. and they're really passionate about libraries, which I think helps because uh, you know I suspect that they have maybe not made very much money off of this project considering all the time they've put into it. Right. Uh, so on the other path, we had the, the foundation who was working on the getting situated to really conduct a capital campaign and to work on the fundraising side of things. And the first thing that the foundation was really confronted by is the whole, it takes money to make money. And from everyone we talked to, before doing a capital campaign, you need to do a feasibility study. It's something that is really part of the process. And that requires you to work with a professional fundraising organization, which requires you to have money. And we had a very small amount of money in our checking account that was contributed by the initial five members of the board of directors and it wasn't really going to get us any sort of capital campaign so we launched the we introduced the foundation to the public a year ago in november and we created what we called the leaves of change campaign centered around the 54 leaves that are in the library logo and we, you know, we wanted to call it kind of the roots campaign because this is really sort of the, the foundation of the whole ability of the foundation to raise funds, but roots didn't seem quite as labelable as leaves. So we've sold 40, 47. 47 of the 54 leaves and that gave us some much needed money to engage a professional fundraising organization, which we did over the course of this year. And we conducted the feasibility study and we've started applying for uh, grants. You know, the, the Sherry Conyers gift was a, a wonderful gift. One of the things that it will help us do 
is to apply for grants from other foundations and uh, you know businesses and other organizations that support projects like this because it, her gift really put us into a place where we've gone from wow you still have a lot of money to raise to wow this is going to happen I need to get on board right now so we're really yeah, I think hopeful. the messaging in the grants we were writing was that we were looking for lead donors right you know to really kind of get the ball rolling so now the Dalen Trust and the Congress donation is really the lead like yes. now we're looking for support to get to the finish line absolutely and the, the leaves really demonstrate the commitment that the town People donated to make based on a picture. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I say that yep. because, like, writing a check for a thousand dollars after you've seen a vision yeah. is generous and optimistic and hopeful. And all of those donors just, you know, right up front. So um, I think after they heard the million dollar donation, the people that were a little bit more conservative came in. And now we only yeah. have seven leaves left. Lucky yeah. seven who get those leaves. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, and those things I think also help too when we're looking at, you know, we've applied to a, a couple of uh, grant organizations. One's called Jane's Trust, and another is the Von Weber Trust, which has a lot of history in Mount Vernon and history with this building. And to be able to go into a grant application and say, you know, we have this project, we have the design, and we have tremendous support from the community, which is demonstrated by both the Capital Reserve Fund and by our you know, soon to be 54 leaf donors. And we also have a lot of financial support from other foundations and being able to, you know, show them the Dalen Trust commitment and the, the Conyers gift are, are both huge in helping them see that if they want to be a part of this project, then, you know, now's the time. Now is the time. Perfect. Um, so just speaking a little bit about um, the study of the land. So not a lot of people know, this is a common question. Oh, there's land set aside for the project? You know, they think it's either here or we're expanding, but the parcel behind the post office, can you just talk a little bit about that? I, it was studied this year, so that's sure. the big. Yeah, so one of the things that, that we learned is that it might have been good to study it before we bought it for this purpose. Um, wasn't it a gift originally? No, it wasn't a gift, It wasn't a gift, but it was purchased from uh, the Carltons back in the 90s, and I think that it was a very good price because they were interested in supporting the needs of the town. So I think it was a very good price, but it wasn't actually a gift. And, and it's a shared parcel. Right, should, right. It's the, not just the library people. Exactly. So it's adjacent to the pond, which I'm not sure if the pond was originally donated Don't. or if it was part of this at, at one point, but it's adjacent to the pond. And it is a big parcel of land. It includes the whole cornfield that everyone is used to seeing as you drive uh, along Grand Hill and, you know, sort of everything but the area directly around the post office. And it was purchased in the 90s. And way back then, the, the things that were envisioned there were the cemetery and the library. And it was designated how much for each. I think there were monies from the Capital Reserve Fund at the time that were used to fund the library portion and the cemetery trustees funded their portion. So it has long been designated for those two um, factors. There was a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle, do you like that word, Shane? <laughs> uh, around the who got which parts of the property because they didn't actually record all of this when they made the purchase. So several years back, Jane was uh, part of the, the, the group that figured it all out again and designated which part went, went to who. So the, the library portion is sort of the center of the site and the cemetery portion is the top of the hill, basically. Room with a view. Room with a view. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, um, we're all trying to decide, do you like buy a plot in the existing cemetery or hope that the existing cemetery will be filled in time to get that room with a view? Uh, Either way, that's a lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but one of the things that we found when we studied the land this year, which we, we spent a lot of time, the original cost estimate had a lot of contingencies for site work, and we're really trying to nail down the actual cost of the full project. And one of the ways to eliminate some of those contingencies is to do the study so that instead of worrying that something may be very expensive, you can do some study and figure out what's really going to happen. Uh, and so we did, they mapped the wetlands, they did some soil mapping and some other things that are you know, fascinating to civil engineers and probably not so fascinating to most other people. And what we found is that despite the fact that it looks like a cornfield, 
there's a lot more wetlands on the site than you would think. So we spent a lot of time this year figuring out how to deal with that. And because the wetlands rules are changing in New Hampshire, uh, there was suddenly we determined a need for speed in going through the permitting process for the library site. So that's what we actually did in 2019. And we submitted the paperwork to the state of New Hampshire in December in order to have the site permits come under the old rules instead of the new rules. And you know, I won't bore you with all the details, but basically what the new rules would have required is that we write a check to the state of New Hampshire for somewhere around $90,000 that would not have gone to you know, purchase wetlands anywhere else or you know, anything that you might think of as making that money seem worth it. Just basically a fee that would have gone off to Concord, and we would not have seen any benefit. 90,000 is a lot of light fixtures. It is a lot of light fixtures. <laughs> it is a lot of light fixtures. Yeah, save that for the project. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, we kind of required a little bit of a mad scramble and a lot of support from uh, DSK, the architect, Oak Engineering, who is the civil engineer that they're using on the project, and Meridian Land Services, who designed the septic and did the wetlands mapping and those kinds of things for us. So we really appreciate the fact that you know, once it became obvious that we would be much better off uh, going forward with the permitting a little more quickly than we had anticipated, they were able to pull that all together for us so that we could get a, a, a so the permit had to be rendered administratively complete by mid-December, and we have noticed that it was, so that's good news for everybody on the project. So but there's been a lot happening. I feel like I've missed probably a lot of things that, that did happen as well, but those are some of the key things that both groups were up to over the last year or so. All right, awesome. So I'm gonna recap. You took care of the land this year. The design is awesome. We love the architect and we're ready to uh, come out of the silent phase of fundraising into the maybe the public phase of the library capital campaign. Um, are you going for warrant articles in 220? What's the plan for moving forward. So there is no plan to put a warrant article for the major library project on the warrant in uh, 2020. Uh, we certainly are looking to do more serious looks at, at fundraising over the course of this year with the hopes that 2021 would be the time that we go forward with the project. And even if we were successful in raising you know, every nickel that is necessary for the project, it still requires a vote at town meeting because you need to release the money from the capital reserve. And because this is a town building on town land, you know, there would need to be um, a vote at town meeting no matter what. But, you know, certainly we would like to be in a position to, after the capital campaign, to go in there next year with a minimal tax impact of this, this project as opposed to you know, what might have been assumed back in the day when we thought that all you do is put together a warrant article and a bond issue and end up with a new building. Correct. Definitely worth waiting for. Will you add to the Library Capital Reserve this year? Uh, so we've actually talked to the Dalen Trust and they um, have agreed that they would once again match a $10,000 uh, contribution to the capital reserve fund. So it's our intention to put forward a warrant article similar to the one that's been done many times in the past in order to um, add that. You know, there's not a whole lot of support for adding to capital reserves in some ways because the interest rates are so low that it, it doesn't feel as useful as it did when you could get 10 or 12% interest on that money. But I always say that you know the Dalen match is a hundred percent gain. Absolutely. And there's not a lot of things you can do that get a hundred percent gain. So it, it's still a very good deal for the town. Definitely not. All right. Hearing from Jill on the new library project, I feel like you we um, love your vision and your aesthetic. You're an artist and what are your thoughts um, about new library? Well, you know what struck me for the whole process is that and we met with several architects and it wasn't that everybody's work wasn't good. And it wasn't that their questions weren't good, but no one had their own, um, no one had a vision to give back to us in all of the people that we met with. And um, not only was it a vision for the outside, but it was also a vision for the inside. Mm -hmm. So we're going in forward now with a building that is essentially after all the input from the town and what the town needs are and what want their wants are, we're going in with a building that is designed from the inside and the outside. And so will we have to make adjustments? Yes, but I'm so confident 
with this architect that they will be both beautiful and extremely functional. They are right now uh, working on the theater, building the theater at New England College, which is actually where I teach right now. And um, that was actually the building that I saw that beautiful, got me researching. That. Very beautiful, very beautiful. So I do want to add that they're very familiar with New Hampshire and working in New Hampshire. Not, you know, and we had talked about bringing an architect, using an architect that was just in the state, but I, they, they soared over everybody else, I thought. Yeah, agree. How about you, Jane? Library, you've been on many projects and a trustee for a long time. Your hopes for this library? Soon. (laughs) Soon. She's exhausted. She needs her retired. If you've seen the the picture of the the vision of the new library, it has that full-length farmer's porch on the front with some rocking chairs and is that I'm, where we're going to find you yes <laughs> yes i'll be there just i'll wave as you drive by um but yeah it's it's time yes, this yeah. town could really use it i think it will do things for the town that this little one just can't do mm-hmm. i mean i th- i think it'll bring portions of the town together that really haven't had a place to be together. Yes, our seniors so, are I, I just, yes. Yes. I just feel so, um, you know, I still feel so badly because Al Ryder used to tell me that I needed to build the library while he was still alive that was accessible to him because he was in a wheelchair and wasn't able to get in this building. And, you know, I failed him. And I'm sure there are others out there right now who will look forward to using this building. And Absolutely. you think about coffee and books on Tuesday, how many seniors you've had Super for fun, that. Yeah. Think about the ones who are not able to come yeah. here. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we're are. not done with the interview yet, but I did okay. want to mention that the Mount Vernon General Store does sponsor the interview um, portion of our podcast. So I, I am that. gifting you all with oh Dan God. ordered very special soaps that he got to name whatever oh. he wanted to and he gave one soap the Dalen Garden. So we thank so you for coming thank today you. and being awesome library trustees. Sometimes I meet with directors and they say how awful their trustees are and I never feel that way. I'm always like, I don't know what you're talking about. So you're fantastic to work with and thank you for your time today. And we're getting ready for the Speed round. Speed round. Oh, okay, sure. All right, so we don't normally have one person, so we won't go so speedy. We'll wait till all three say their Oh, all right. Okay. I know you want to ring that bell. I know. Do you like it? <laughs> all right, we like to end with this. Don't feel pressure. And if you want to pass, all right. Question. Then here's our pass, speed right? round. Last book that you've read. Go. Um, the Institute, Stephen King. Ooh, oh, the the fall of Richard Nixon, Tom Brokaw. Ooh, the Lion Game, Ruth Ware. Ooh, all good. Goodness gracious. Okay, New Year's resolutions. Start procrastinating. Mm. Yeah, hurry up and get that library. <laughs> <laughs> get everybody to vote. Ah, oh, that's important. So mine is like so much more mundane. I'm doing take two of We Are Tidy People. I tried to convince my family that we were tidy people a few years ago. It didn't go that well. I'm trying again this year. Is this a book? Is this an infomercial? No, it's just about spending 20 minutes a day trying to like sort things out that you wouldn't get Oh, the 20-minute tidy. Yeah. I do that to my my family. I turn on the timer and I say, we're doing a 20-minute tidy. And then Jackson will do this. Do you keep turning the timer? (gasps) Yes. (laughs) Because you don't know. They just work work until that timer goes off. It's really good. Okay, very good. Good. Those very are good. smart. I like that. This is my favorite one. You ready? Uh-oh. Secret talent. I'm an open book. I have no secrets and not Come too on. many talents. I don't um, believe that. Um, I tasted your dessert at the Friends of the Library uh, okay. party, and I was like, she made this? I would say that's a secret I make talent. I make a mean pavlova. She does. <laughs> it was gorgeous. It could have been photographed for a cookbook. There you go. Boy, I don't know that I have a secret talent. Because you're ridiculously talented. No, I don't have no secret. <laughs> if I were going to say a, a talent that I just discovered I have is 
I'm a, I would be a good social worker after having advocated for my mother. Oh, okay. So nice. if you have any questions about what's available in the state. Oh you, you know why? Because you're very yeah. truthful and you're direct oh. and you're a researcher and you don't mix words. You're like, no. I'm a researcher. And I don't take no for an answer. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So what else do you have you is go. what I say. That's yeah. your secret talent. Okay. All right. Secret talent. So I know you've asked this question before, so I took a poll at home to see if oh! I have any secret talents. <laughs> That didn't occur to me. Liam said, what about the fudge? And I it's said, true. I'm not sure that's it's a secret. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Someone suggested knitting and crocheting because if no you one would like, know, that know me, you. That, that you wouldn't know that. And I do knit and crochet like a fiend because I can't sit still. Uh-huh. So it's a way of accomplishing something while relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's meditative. Yes. Morgan suggested interior design. There you go. Um, so apparently I have a lot of hidden Here's talents, things. hidden even you from me. You could retire right away and start working somewhere else. <laughs> that's very good. good. Yeah. Oh, I have one more. Uh-oh. Favorite flower. This could be a Valentine's Day hint mm. for your hubby. Go. Are they listeners? <laughs> I like peonies. Pea. I like peonies. Oh. Everybody Ooh. likes peonies. Pea King, so if good. you're listening, Jane likes peonies. peonies. They're very out of season and hard to get. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah. I, I like things that are in the ground. Yeah, so you're a master gardener. I'm the, I'm the girl that goes out and cuts forsythia now to bring it in. Oh, of oh, course. Yeah. We do that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, that's my next thing. Excellent. Yeah. So I'm going to go with daffodils because, like, in New England, right up there with the forsythia, it's so like hopeful. the harbinger yeah. of spring. Yeah. Now, so it's I, hope. I do have paper whites and amaryllis coming out of my ears right now. <laughs> and they were meant for presents, and I it looks like I kept them all for myself. <laughs> Which is a little three on my window shows too. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, those aren't gonna make good hostess gifts. Like, yeah. yeah, they didn't Great. fit in the basket <laughs> or whatever. Be, but anyway, mine will be President's Day amaryllis and those things because it's just not gonna make it. Gonna no, that's happen. okay. I want mine to go all year. That'll I've got nice. some in the basement that still have to be repotted to come up and then bloom again. Good. Yeah. Okay, we're almost done. I have one more thing. You do? What is it? What do you have? Um, because I'm coming closer to the microphone. Um, because because the donation came at maybe the busiest time of year oh. um, in December, we did not get to celebrate. And I believe in celebrating great accomplishments. Um, the donation to the library project from Sherry Connors. So turn around. <laughs> I don't want to hit a window. Oh, oh yeah, don't. I, yeah. I'm pretty good at it. Woo! Oh, that was good. Nice. Yes. Uh, it didn't come out. I would like to do a quick toast to the staff and to the library trustees um, in memory of Sherry Conyers and her very generous donation. And these are the tiniest glasses. And her husband. And her husband. husband. And to all the donors to the project for being early believers. Uh, But this is definitely a takes a village situation. This is awesome. Um, And there's so much more work to do. We are not celebrating the end of the work, but but maybe the start. So cheers to all of you. Cheers. Cheers. Happy New Year. Thank you for your. Crystal does not seem to be (laughs) (laughs) playing. This is not our style. (laughs) Madison, we were able to edit in a nice like play. Yeah. So thank you. And. I think I hear the town bells ringing because we open at 2 o'clock and ding, ding, it's that time already. Have a wonderful and warm and safe January. And uh, we'll be back in February with hearts and love and flowers. So thank you for everything. We appreciate you. Cheers to you. We appreciate you too. More than you both. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.